Speedway is on Twitter. At Mpakanyane. Good morning to our resident parenting and uh, human potential expert. She's a speaker. She's an author. Uh, Nikki Bush, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Rafiwe. So, Nikki, of course, kids are still on uh, a holiday, so to speak, since uh, the opening of schools has been pushed out because of the second wave of the COVID-19 vaccine. And at the same time, parents are back at work, uh, albeit work from home. Of course, as you've so rightly pointed out, because of these factors and probably many, many more, we do need an interim game plan, not just for family sanity, but for productivity, right? We need to, as far as possible, uh, keep the show on the road. You have a 10-step game plan for us. Hit me with it. Absolutely. Yes. You know, it's that time of the year when, uh, you know, parents are saying, oh, my goodness, traditionally, I can't wait for everyone to get back to school and into routine. And the kids really need some routine and structure. They've become unplayable. (laughs) But, of course, things are a little bit upside down. But it is time to put some basics in place as parents are back to work, even though children are not at school. Children actually need to see that it's time for you to work. Remember, they're multi-sensory beings. Mm. So they need some visual cues to help anchor that thought and manage their expectations of you now that you are not, they are not your sole focus for 24-7. Yes. And my 10-step plan starts with four things that are very visual and very tactile. Mm-hmm. The first is, tidy your house. Now, I know it's the weekend, so this is what you can do, but the whole family gets involved in tidying the house because, you know, something happens during that uh, sort of holiday time. Things are, you know, lose their place. We need to put things back where they belong, chuck out things that have had their day, don't fit, or are past their sell-by date, and create a pile of items to give away to people in need. So that's Mm. the first thing, is to really clear the energy, get the old stuff out that no longer serves us. The second thing is to re-demarcate the work and school spaces because I'm sure during the holidays those lines got blurred. So your desk was used for something else. Where the children did schoolwork was dismantled. Um, And rightfully so. But now we need to put those places back. And then the third thing is to dress for work. (laughs) <laughs> no. Oh, Nikki, I hear you. Are you going to unpack it for us? I hear you dress for work, and I'd like to counter that with dress for work and dress for school. Least of all, because I've gone out and bought the shoes and bought the uniform, and it's just lying there. <laughs> and I know, used. I know. It's such an expensive <laughs> thing to have lying around, and January yeah. is such an expensive month, isn't sure, it? Sure. Right, so I say dress for work. Now, although you may not need to do so because you're working virtually, this is a very strong visual cue for your children that you're back in business, mm. back to business, whatever your business happens to be. And it's an energetic cue for you to get back into the zone. So, you know how we found last year that the weekdays and the weekends and the holidays just kind of blurred into one kind of time? There was very little to punctuate the differences between them. Clothing is one of the ways in which to punctuate those differences. Mm. So your kids get the signal that... This is the weekend because you're in your shorts and your T-shirt. 
but during the week you're in your trousers and your shirt or you're in your, your dress or whatever. You don't have to go to the length of putting your high heel shoes on necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something in dressing differently when you mean business. And as you said, once they get back to school, even if they have to work remotely, you may choose for them to also be in their school uniform when it's school hours. That may be a visual multi-sensory cue for them to be in that mind space. Oh, I can, I, can, I can just imagine the resentment, the uniform bit, with just fostering kids. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, there just needs to be that thing that demarcates that not only does mom mean business, but you also need to mean business, right? Um, yeah, just because the TV you know. is just in the other room or the on the other side of this wall and uh, supposedly you're seemingly easily accessible, um, it is time to get serious and, you know, buckle down. Yeah, I- and and I, and it's not just a figment of the imagination. I know parents who do do this. Yeah, who, yeah. Their children do wear their school uniform for the morning while they're in that school frame of mind. Mm. Um, and it can really work. So maybe it's something that parents could try. Yeah. And then my fourth step is actually to go back to packing lunch boxes, even though your children are still on school holiday mm. by default. If you pack lunch boxes for your children the night before or the more in the morning to include enough food for two snack breaks during the morning that they would normally have at school. There are certain benefits. Firstly, it's a multi-sensory visual cue that we're back at work and it's no longer school holiday time. Mm-hmm. Secondly, it acts as a boundary to keep them out of your pantry mm-hmm. because during the school holidays, there's kind of a bit, it's a bit laissez-faire. People waltz in and waltz out and are always hungry for some reason. Sure. And taking things as and when they feel like it, because you've let the boundaries down. Mm. And then the third most important thing about packing that official lunchbox, even though it's school holidays, is that they know they can't interrupt you to tell you they're hungry or thirsty because you've already ticked those two boxes. Sure. Really, really key. I like that. Yeah, you want to get some uninterrupted uh, work time. You know, we're trying to get back on the horse, get back in the saddle, get back on the bicycle right now. And isn't it funny how the thought of going back to work is actually worse than the act itself? (laughs) (laughs) Well, they say say a coward dies, you know, a thousand times or many times before they actually die, right? As opposed to just doing it and just, yeah, powering through it. (laughs) You know, you get that sore stomach. You know how your children get a sore tummy the night before school starts? (laughs) And you get that butterfly feeling in your tummy or a sore back or or a headache the night before work starts. And... For some reason, if we can clear the physical energy space like we've talked about with tidying your house, demarcating your workspaces, maybe just buy one new thing to bring your desk alive. Maybe it's a new pot plant or a pencil holder. And the same goes for your kids when they actually start school. I know they've had the school uniform and the new pencils and the pens, but they also might need something um, attractive on their, their workspace just to remind them that it's a new year. Mm. And Then, of course, we get to the all-important bring back routine. Step five, routine. It's part of helping us feel safe and secure because it brings some kind of predictability and certainty to our lives. And right now, let's, let's think about this. You know, we're dealing with a huge lack of certainty and 
we are fearful of getting ill and because people are dying around us or people we know have lost people. Mm. So that kind of routine in a way is once again an anchor and it makes us feel safer um, and it, remember we need a regular wake up time and a regular go to bed time and sleep resets your mind and your immune system. So give it a go because when you bring back that boundary of a regular go to bed and regular wake up time, you tend to get more sleep because what happens when we feel out of control and I do this myself, mm-hmm. is we tend to overwork. We work late into the night. We think that we feel more in control, so we think it's better for us. But actually, we're exhausting ourselves before we even begin. Yeah. So right now, I'm giving myself a slap on the wrist because that's <laughs> the, the default setting for me is to go into over-control when I feel out of control. And it's, it's completely relatable, right? It's completely relatable. But as you said, it's resetting so many things, so key for your body, your immune system, your mind, that uh, it's... We can't neglect that. Yes. And, um, you know, the the routine is actually about, it communicates, this is what we do. This is when we do it. This is how we do it. These are your limits. When we're talking family, these Mm -hmm. are the parents' limits. These are the children's limits. This is what is expected of you. And this is what is expected of me. And it needs to be you know, clear when there's that routine. So let's let's look at a basic outline for a daily routine. Obviously, we wake up at a certain time, and what's the next thing that we do? If you shower in the morning, you shower and you get dressed. It's a signal. Once again, it's a little signal to the brain and the body that we are now getting up. At, it's a business day. It's a school day. Whatever the case may be. Then we eat breakfast, and then right now with the kids being on school holiday, we need a morning work session, don't we? Mm, Absolutely. And if we need a morning work session, then what are the children going to do? So there's a lot of planning that has to take place. So children need to maybe do, and you can choose for this to happen, uh, more learning-orientated activities, such as educational games, toys, puzzles, reading, online educational games, construction toys, coloring in... And maybe, and this is actually further down on my, it's actually step seven, but let's, let's jump to it right now. You might want to pair up their screen time with your work time for the moment. Okay, explain that to us. So while you are getting back into routine and getting back into the saddle, and you maybe want two or three hours of uninterrupted work time, you know that when they're on a screen, they're not going to interrupt you because they are going to go into stare mode and they are going to sit still and they're not going to come and ask you for anything Mm. so you might decide for the next couple of weeks that screen time is your first three hours of office time in the morning so i'm giving people full permission permission to take advantage of screen time and (laughs) pair it up so that you get into the saddle again get into your rhythm and feel like you're making some progress and that means that that you allow your children to use screen time in the morning, but the provisor is that that's the end of it and the afternoon is for doing other things. So it means you get some real meaty stuff done and then you can choose to be maybe slightly more relaxed mm. in the afternoon. I'm not sure. saying you don't work, sure. but you sure. might be slightly more relaxed. Now, of course, 
there's lots of differentiation depending on how old your children are as to whether you, whether you can have un, an interrupted time. Um, and that we won't get into right now because I want to get through the whole 10-step plan. Sure but obviously, after your morning work session, there's going to be lunchtime. And maybe that's your signal to take a break and take your foot off the gas. Take a lunch break with your kids, even if it's just for 15 or 20 minutes. And if I could tell you one thing, switch off your devices for that time. Mm. Your children need to experience you being fully present, even if it's just for 15 or 20 minutes. Then, of course, you've got an afternoon work session you've got to get through. And that could be when your kids do more fun activities. Um, and if there's a possibility of you taking part in one, one of them at some point, that would be helpful as a bridge. And then after work, when you switch off that computer, it's chore time. And remember, there's huge learning in chores and huge family togetherness in chores. Mm, mm, mm. And then if you've got young children, it's bath time. We're talking signals here. We're yeah. talking the order of things. It's bath time. It's supper time. It's family time. Maybe it's watching a series together or playing a game together. And then if you've got young children, it's clean your teeth, story time, and bedtime. Yeah. So we get back into a regular rhythm. So that was step six. Step seven was pairing up your screen time with your work time, your kids' screen time with work time. And step eight, instead of a toy feature today, please do an audit of all your games and toys. Mm. Divide them into any time toys that your kids can play with without you when you're working. And they don't need adult supervision when they play with those games and toys. And then your more special toys, which need more adult supervision or instruction, because maybe there are small pieces or rules that need to be explained. Mm. And then you might go as far as, if you're a real planner, I would have done this when my kids were, were smaller, of actually dividing your games and toys up to different days of the week. So no, Nikki, come on. You know really? what it is? You know what it is? Uh -huh. Children forget what they've got. Okay. Okay. And so when you do an audit, you'll find things they haven't played with for a long time. And you can surprise them by, in your own head, actually making a list of what we could play with on Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, and surprise them with things that they haven't seen for a while. Okay. That is an interesting take. Certainly a very, very interesting take. But I mean, you know, to, to that point of just that toy audit, right? And you were talking about just refreshing, setting things aside that you no longer need. It's also uh -huh. really key to remember that there are all sorts of children and places and organizations that could do with those toys, whether it's the Johannesburg uh, Children's Home, which does a fantastic Absolutely. job, whether it's an organization like Days of Hope. There are so many organizations out there that uh, foster children. They're definitely, they could do with um, whatever donations of well-loved or previously loved toys uh, that you can give them. And of course, clothes as well, right? In good condition. Yeah, absolutely. And also never underestimate how your kids have shifted brain body space in the three months since they last looked at a toy. Mm. What was boring three months ago, True. if you bring it out now, they may now have mastered a skill and find that game or toy more interesting. So just because your child was not that engaged in something three or six months ago doesn't necessarily mean you need to throw it away. Mm. Maybe you should play with it a little bit differently. Absolutely. Yeah. Then step like nine, that. allocate the family chores. And family chores for me are about building competence and confidence and life skills and helping your kids to become more independent by taking on responsibility. And kids can really get involved in chores from the age of three. So if you've become a bit 
lackadaisical over the school holidays, it's time to start actually allocating chores again, and I don't pay for chores. That's my bottom line. And it's <laughs> big, like cleaning my whole car. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and <clears throat> then number 10, step 10, is eat, play, and pray together. Mm. So remember that your children's deepest desire is for a real and authentic relationship with you. As much as they love their screens, they do love you more. And you're the leader of your family. You create the emotional temperature in your home and a sense of togetherness and belonging. And there is that saying that families that eat, play or pray together stay together. And there is much truth in this. So eat as many family meals together as possible. Play together from time to time. Remember that play is a bridge builder. Um, it's a it's a relationship builder. It's a form of connection. And praying together, even if it's just a simple act of mindfulness, of lighting a candle at the dinner table to bring awareness to those who are less fortunate than you or for someone maybe who is ill or who has passed away at this time. Mm. These things help us to become less self-centered and more community-minded. And at this time, I think that would go a long, long way. An incredibly long way. Nikki, thank you so much for that. Um, th- those lovely pointers, that lovely conversation. And, you know, in so many ways, just the setting of a horizon of expectations is, yes, first and foremost, so good and important for the kids. But goodness knows, we, the parents, need it just as much. We really do. Thanks so much, Rafael. And if anybody wants to get hold of the list, just visit NikkiBush.com and go on to my latest blog. There you go. NikkiBush.com is where you can find it all.